church. If you've got your Bibles, Nehemiah 3 is where we are. And uh, if you have read ahead, you have probably wondered how in the world we're going to have a sermon today on Nehemiah 3. Uh, and, uh, and so if you'll bear with me, there's a lot of names and there's a lot of build the gate and build the wall and so-and-so this and so-and-so that. But I'm going to read it, and I think it's important. I think every word of God is God-given and useful for teaching and reproach, you know, and, and, and reproof and rebuke and, and edification. And so uh, I want to read it. And so uh, give me grace when this Tennessee accent does not pronounce these names well, all right? Verse 1. Then Elishib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the Tower of Hananel. And next to him, the men of Jericho built. And next to him, Zachar, the son of Imri, built. The sons of Hassanah uh, built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts and its bars. And next to him, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hazak, repaired. Next to him, Meshalim, the son of Berechiah, son of Meshalabel, repaired. And next to him, Zadok, the son of Benaiah, repaired. And next to him, the Tekoites, repaired. But their nobles would not stoop to serve the Lord. Joida, the son of Pasia, and Meshulam, the son of Besida, repaired the gates of Yeshana. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them repaired uh, Melatiah, the Gibeonite, and Jadon, the Marathonite, the, and the men of Gibeon and of Mizpah, the seat of the governor of the province beyond the river. Next to them, Uziel, the son of Herahiah, goldsmiths repaired. Next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers repaired. And they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad gate. Next to them, Rephiah, the son of Hur, ruler of the half-district of Jerusalem, repaired. Next to them, Jediah, and the son of Herophim, uh, Haramath, repaired, opposite his house. And next to him, Hattush, the son of Hashabniah, repaired. Malkijah, the son of Haram, and Hashub, the son of Pahath Moab repaired another section of the Tower of Ovens. Next to him, Shalom, the son of Halohesh, ruler of the half of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired he and his daughters. Hanan and the inhabitants of Zenoa repaired the valley gate. They rebuilt it and set its doors and its bolts and its bars and repaired a thousand cubits of wall as far as the dung gate. Malkijah, the son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Beth Hakarim, repaired the Dungate. He rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And Shalom, the son of Kohaza, ruler of the district of Mizpah, repaired the fountain gate. He built it and covered it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And he built the wall of the pool of Shelah, the king's garden, as far as the stairs that go down from the city of David. After him, Nehemiah, the son of Azbuk, ruler of half the district of Belzer, repaired to a point opposite the tombs of David as far as the artificial pool and as far as the house of the mighty men. After him, the Levites repaired. Rehum, the son of Bani. Next to him, Hashabiah, ruler of half the district of Kelal, repaired for his district. 
After him, their brothers repaired. Bavai, the son of Henadad, ruler of half the district of Kela. Uh, next to him, Ezra, the son of Jeshua, ruler of Mizpah, repaired another section opposite the ascent to the armory at the buttress. After him, Baruch, the son of Zaba, repaired another section from the buttress to the door of the house of Elishib, the high priest. After him, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hazak, repaired another section from the door of the house of Elishib to the end of the house of Elishib. After him, the priests, the men of the surrounding area, repaired. After them, Benjamin and Hashab repaired the opposite, uh, opposite their house. After them, Azariah, the son of Messiah, uh, uh, Messiah, son of Ananiah, repaired beside his own house. After him, Benui, the son of Hinnadad, repaired another section from the house of Azariah to the buttress of the corner, into the corner. Palal, the son of Uzziah, repaired opposite the buttress and the tower projecting from the upper house of the king at the court of the guard. After him, Padiah, the son of Parosh, and the temple servants living in Ophel, repaired to the point opposite the water gate on the east and the projecting tower. After him, the Tekoites repaired another section opposite the great projecting tower as far as the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priests repaired each one opposite his own house. After them, Zadok, the son of Immer, repaired opposite his own house. After him, Shemaiah, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate, repaired. And after him, Hananiah, the son of uh, Shelemiah, and Hanan, the sixth son of Zalph, repaired another section. After him, Meshalem, the son of Berechiah, repaired opposite his chamber. After him, Malkijah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired as far as the house of the temple servants and of the merchants, opposite the muster gate and to the upper chamber of the corner. In between the upper chamber of the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants repaired. I should take about you know the beautiful thing is you don't know how to pronounce it either so if I just if I just say it confidently you know um, I thought about making that the elder reading but uh, I didn't want to do that to those guys so uh, a couple of things here that I want I want us to to understand and um, you know obviously Nehemiah is the division of labor and rebuilding the wall and and Nehemiah is listing out all the families and the individuals that was responsible for building walls and some of the walls were kind of by their houses some of the walls were were kind of all over and so you have this uh, list of scripture that tells us who was involved in in the rebuilding of this wall now why is this in the bible um, you know, in my study, in my reading, I, I, I was reading a lot, of, a lot of commentaries, a lot of pastors, a lot of sermons, uh, 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 you know, a lot of guys who will teach through the book of Nehemiah, skip Nehemiah 3. And some of you are like, yeah, of course they do. Uh, I can see why they would, but they, but they skip Nehemiah 3. Uh, a lot of commentaries and things that I was reading, just skip it. Uh, other guys take Nehemiah 3. Uh, one pretty famous pastor takes it and allegorizes it so there's the sheep gate which represents christ there's like the old gate that represents shedding of the old in our lives putting on the new like a lot of different things going on with with the gates and, and while that is good i don't think that's necessarily why it's in the text here also uh 
C.H. Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, as he's called, uh, he takes the, the passage where it talks about the broad gate, and, and he's not really an expositional preacher, so to speak. And he, he takes it and does this whole message on separating the church from the world, that we're supposed to be in the world, not of the world, these kinds of things. And so while I, I agree with the sermon, it's a great sermon, I don't think it's a text. I think God has something in particular for us in this passage, and, and particularly... I think it's a beautiful passage in the simplicity of it. And by that, I mean, um, the only reason that these people are in the Bible at all, it's not because they did some grandiose thing for God. They literally just built a wall. They rebuilt a wall. And I think this is important for us because I, I think so many times in our lives, we get uh, kind of paralyzed spiritually because when we think God is going to call us to something, that he's calling us to some grandiose, um, larger-than-life thing where we're supposed to be a part of some great revival or some, some great task or, 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 or whatever, when really most of us and most of God's call in our life looks a lot like this. A lot like rebuilding a wall. A, a lot like having a name that really is not going to be remembered. And, and setting our lives to the task that God has called us to instead of waiting for you know, some gigantic thing for God to, to split the seas. You know, so often we put ourselves into the Bible as the heroes of Scripture. Right? When we read David and Goliath, who do we typically put ourselves as? David. No one ever puts themselves as Goliath, right? That's not me. I'm, I'm, I'm more like David, right? I'm going to get some smooth stones, I'm going to sling them, kill the giants in my life. When in reality, we're more like Israel, which is a bunch of cowards, you know, waiting for someone to come and save us. And so, but we read into stories that we're the hero of the story, when in reality, it's more like our lives are like this that God has called us to, to repair our place on the wall. And so often I see believers that get really just kind of either frustrated that, um, uh, 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 you know, that they're not where they want to be. They're not doing what they want to do. And when in reality, God has just called you to the simple things. You know, like, are you, are you reading scriptures and following him are you leading your family spiritually are you are you obeying what he has already told us to do in the scriptures these are this is simplicity of obedience to the work god has called us to and it's a beautiful simplicity um you know and, and i think it's something that should be should be embraced the less of me more you know and, and this is the beautiful thing about how god works is you know just as he has said to to whom much is given much is required and and, and and it's like the parable of the talents he's given a few talents and and to you know and 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 so what he has given us were to use for his glory if you remember the parable of the talents and, and this is not my notes i'm going well off my notes here now but he gave what five two and one uh, so, so for some people he gives more talents but the requirement's still the same you are to be obedient with what God has given you so for most of us he's given us one talent and he's said 
Rebuild the wall. Rebuild, and not even the whole wall, rebuild your section of the wall. Do what I've called you to do. Be obedient in the ways I've called you to be obedient to. Love your neighbor. Love your spouse. Raise your kids in the Lord. Serve your church faithfully. Live your days in joy in the glory of God. The simplicity of obedience is oftentimes so beautiful, but we muddy it up by, by thinking we're not enough or thinking we're not doing enough. So a couple of things I want to get to in this, in this text. Because last week we talked about you know, what God's work requires of us individually. But I think what we're going to see in this passage is what God's work requires of us collectively. You know, of collectively, Nehemiah 3 is laying out how each person had their section of the wall to build the wall. And so there was a communal aspect to what God had called them to. And so every person was using the gifts that God had given them and the responsibilities that God had given them to walk in obedience, to, 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 to do their part and, and, uh, and obey Christ, obey, uh, obey God and, and serve God by rebuilding a wall. And I think we can learn a lot from this. Uh, from this passage. So three things, I think, uh, that are, are important for us. One, what we see is I think we see a unity of vision. I think we see a unity of vision. And uh, uh, you know, obviously you have, the, you, you have Nehemiah instructing the people to rebuild the wall. And here's what happens. You know, I, I, they, they, they were instructed on how to build the wall, what exactly they're going to do. Could you imagine if one section of wall was like, hey, yeah, we're going to build this like thick structure that's super safe and, and keeps enemies out, and then you come over here to this other section of wall, and they're kind of like, you know, we really don't want something like that. We'd really you know, prefer something decorative, like lattice or like, uh, you know, something, you know, more pretty, more decorative. You know, if that happens, that defeats the purpose, right? Then, then the vision of protecting Jerusalem fails because there wasn't a unity of vision among the people, right? But you don't have that. You have the people of God rallying together under the leadership of Nehemiah and saying, yes, that makes sense. Let's rebuild this structure in such a way that uh, it protects us from our surrounding enemies. They had a unity uh, of vision among them. Now, why is this important? I think it's important for you individually. And no matter what your uh, stage in life is, if you're single, I, I, you know, I think you can have a unity of vision with the, the, the people that you trust in your life. If you're a young man, you should have men in your life that come alongside you that say, hey, your vision for your life doesn't seem to match up with, you know, if your vision for your life is, hey, I'm going to live in my parents' basement, play Call of Duty all day, and some, you know, godly man says, hey, bro, I think you think it's is off here you know, there's not a unity of vision in your life you know you need someone speaking in you same thing with whatever life say if you're married uh you know maybe you're young married and you you know you're not just married to be married but you're married to say okay what is god's purpose for us ma being married what what does he want us to do not just that, hey, we're, we're here and, 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 we're, and you know, we are um, in, in this position where we're, we're doing nothing. We're just kind of uh, like, like surviving or, or existing, rather, is probably a better word. We're just existing. But no, God has united you together for a particular purpose. What is that purpose? And do you have a unity of vision in your own in your own marriage? Do you have a unity, if you have young children, if you have children, do you have a unity of vision in 
what you want for your children. That you're intentional about how you're raising them. That it's not just some, well, we had kids and they're going to hang around us till they're 18 and we no longer have to pay for them. You know, do you have a unity of vision of this is what I want God to do with our children? And this, if this is the goal, what are the steps that we're going to do as a family in order to reach that goal? Empty nesters, retired. Um, later in life, what is the vision that God... Do you have a unity of vision maybe with you or you and your spouse, you and your family, you, on how you're going to live out these chapters of your life to the glory of God? It's important for us to have kind of a unity of vision. Um, in the workplace, you, you, you know this to be true in any organization. If there's no unity of vision, it's just going to be a disaster. You've experienced this, right? Everybody has their own agenda in the workplace, and then it's just, it's just chaos, right? Um, and so unity of vision is important. It's important in the church, too. But, but it's different in the church in that with Nehemiah, their vision was let's rebuild the wall. They rebuilt the wall, and they were able to say, look, we rebuilt the wall. We're finished. It's great. The church has a vision that will not be finished until Jesus comes back. Our vision, what is our purpose? What is the unity of vision that we're around? It's this, that we want to glorify God with everything, all of our lives. But specifically, how we as the church are going to do that is by delighting in Him, by discipling the church, by discipling people, making disciples of all nations, and then declaring the gospel to all nations. Uh, that is what the, 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 the vision that God has given us, and we are unified around that vision to go and, make, and take the gospel to uh, to the world now here's the thing um we're never going to get to the stage of that again until christ comes back that we're like all right we're done mission accomplished everyone is saved this is great you know we're not going to get there it, it, i liken it to like uh, the end of a soccer game you know um you know every now and then I, when, when there's no other sports on i'll turn on soccer uh and uh the other kind of football not the real kind of football Sorry. Um, right? <laughs> and so, uh, anyway, at the end of a soccer game, they do it better now where they hold up a particular number that tells you how many, how many minutes of extra time is allotted because there's like an injury or there's like whatever. And so they hold up the sign, tells you the extra minutes. That they, they used to not do that. They just, basically, you kind of had a guess. Like the referee had like a time in his head. And it was really kind of arbitrary. It felt like to me in that, like the, the ref was like, okay, I'm basically going to give this team one more possession. And if they don't score, it's over. Right, and, and, and so I liken our mission to kind of like that extra time of the soccer game in that we're pressing towards the goal. We're fighting to win, right? We're, to, we're pressing to, to win the race, to win the game, right? We, 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 want to, we want to accomplish the mission that God has given us, but we're going to keep going until Jesus blows the whistle and says, we're done. The game is over, right? And, and, and so that's kind of what we're in. And so we're never going to get to the stage where we're like, okay, stamp, we're done. Now, now this kills some of you type A list maker types, right? Like, You've got a whole to-do list, and you're like, see the world saved, you know, world hunger solved, like this is your to-do list, uh, you know, but, but it's really more of an ongoing mission that will not be accomplished until, until the end. Uh, so what does that mean? Well, that means for us, well, we're going to continue to have a unity of vision to keep going into all the world until Christ comes again. Now, for us, uh, if we had a disunity of vision, Meaning, if there were factions of people that said, hey, 
Um, I don't think it's important to go and, and make disciples of all nations or declare the gospel uh, to all peoples. I think we should instead, uh, you know, do a bunch of, of like concerts or something and just have fun doing concerts. Um, or like there's a church near me that does like bingo or something. <laughs> bingo? That's great. Uh, I haven't won yet, but... Um, uh, and so, anyway, uh, but could you imagine if we were like, hey, no, no, this is our vision. This is where we're going. No, um, if we don't have a unity of vision, it's going to be chaotic. It's going to be crazy. If you have a church that's not united around, man, we want to see souls come to know Christ. We want to disciple people to know him, know his word, to grow in the faith, to raise children that are solid in their faith in Christ. Uh, and, and instead, they want to do plays or concerts, which many churches do. Uh, it just it just breeds chaos. There's no unity of vision, and 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 when there is no unity of vision, it's it, it's um, I, I think it it doesn't bring honor and glory to our God. And so uh, we want to have a unity of vision. Now now, how does this play out for you? Because um, this this works its way out in how. Uh, how you live your life. I mean, certainly we have the vision. We're going to share the gospel, and, and, and you should be praying for that, that God opens the doors for you to be able to share that gospel. But also, everything that God has gifted you to do, you should be serving in some capacity in order for the whole unit of the body of Christ to move forward towards the goal. So there are folks that are gifted and, and, and called to things like cleaning uh, or, or, or work in the kitchen crew. Right. And, uh, you know, if, if there wasn't a kitchen crew to help with starting point or after we uh, have different fellowships together to 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 clean up, you know, after these things or to serve. I mean, it'd be chaos. Right. It, it would be like, OK, who's going to do it? All right. Well, I guess I'll do it. Well, I, you know, and then everybody's mad because I put everything in the wrong place, you know, and um, and I don't clean the dishes as well as they probably need to be clean. Like, ah, good enough, you know. You know, there's, but, but whatever way in which God has called you to serve, that you, you, however big or small you view that as, that you jump on and begin to serve in that way, and, and the whole of us move towards the mission of sharing the gospel with all nations. Um, and we do it joyfully. Right? We do it in the joy of the Lord. We, we, it is our joy to serve in whatever capacity in which God has gifted us. So we have a unity of vision, a multiplicity of gifts that come together to serve, to glorify God by serving that, that vision. And, uh, and, and so you see that in Nehemiah, just a unity of, uh, of vision. Second thing you kind of see in the book of Nehemiah is that they had dedicated leaders. These people lived in Jerusalem and had not mobilized themselves to rebuild a wall. They just hadn't. It wasn't until Nehemiah came and, and, and as a leader and mobilized uh, the people to rebuild the wall. So there was dedicated leader to mobilize the people to, to accomplish the task uh, that God had called them to. Now, now, whatever level of leadership God has called you to in your life, I believe God has called each of you to some level of leadership. Um, it, it may be leading your children. It may be leading your neighborhoods. You know, however God gives you, maybe leading in your church or your workplaces or, or whatever, that God has called you to some level of, of leadership. Now, he's also called us to some level of submission to authority, which, you know, we submit to Christ, and there's this whole level of submission to authority, but he's also called us to some level of, of leadership. So 
in looking at Nehemiah and his, and his leadership to Jerusalem, I think we can learn some things. First of all, we learn that Nehemiah gives everyone else the credit. This is a huge thing of leadership. Um, he, he, now, the name Nehemiah is mentioned in Nehemiah 3, but that's not the Nehemiah that wrote Nehemiah, okay? That's a different Nehemiah, okay? Um, but he lists a whole bunch of people and what they did and they got their accomplishments and how they served the mission and, and how important they were to rebuilding the wall. If you've been given any ounce of leadership, you know it's important to not just take all the credit for yourself. This only happened because I'm awesome. Okay. <laughs> you see how weird that is. Just even say, like that's that's abrasive even to hear that or to say that. It's so so man, a, a, a good healthy leader like Nehemiah gives the credit to to others. A good leader mobilizes people. Um, Nehemiah again mobilized the people and and moved them to productivity. Uh, he had a plan. Nehemiah was a great leader in that he had he had a plan, he had an organization. Uh, he didn't come in and be like, ah, I think we could, I don't know what we should do. No, he came in with a plan. He came in with resources. He came in and, and, and said, hey, here's what we're going to do. You're going to rebuild that part of the wall. You're going to rebuild that part of the wall. He had a plan. And we talked about last week how, how, how planning and praying are not opposed to one another, right? That God can't change your plans if you don't have any. So it's good for us to make plans, individual spiritual plans, but also plans in any way that we lead, that we should have that we should have plans. But also we see that Nehemiah delegated. Nehemiah couldn't do the whole thing by himself. He just couldn't. He couldn't do the whole thing by himself. Now, again, this is beautiful for leadership. If you've had any kind of um, leadership that God has entrusted to you, you know this to be true, that, de that delegating and bringing people along with you is so vital to accomplishing any kind of mission, but it's so important for the church. I can't do this by myself um i'm not a pie I, I, i'm not a hero I, i'm 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 yes i'm the pastor of this church but i'm not i'm not the one that's going to do you know, do all the work I, I remember old school kind of church it used to be like hey we pay that guy he should be the one that shares the gospel with everybody we're just going to come and listen to him for an hour try not to fall asleep and then go to shoney's afterwards or something you know it, but, but that's not it i'm i'm not that's not my job uh, my job per the scriptures is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry that's my job my job is to equip you to to let's go out and accomplish let's go out and rebuild walls let's go out and 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 share the gospel so that's what my primary job is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry not to do all the work myself uh this is difficult right because Obviously, in, most leaders, they begin to say, well, I'll just accomplish this, and I, I can do it better, quicker, faster by myself. I'm just going to go do it. But that's not God-given leadership. That's not God-honoring leadership. Delegation is a huge part of, uh, of, the, of accomplishing the mission that God has, has given us. Uh, another thing is the leader must oversee. The beautiful thing about our church is that we have elders. I'm not even, uh, I, I, you know, I'm, this isn't even a CEO kind of organization. You know, this is, we have a group of elders that we, we, we uh, lead together. We're equals. We lead together. Uh, and, and that's a beautiful thing. And uh, uh, that, that 
part of that leadership is oversight now overseeing the the people now you may be a leader in your company some of you leaders in your family god has given you the mission to oversee nehemiah didn't just say hey go read the we'll rebuild the walls and i'm sure you're gonna do it fine i'm just gonna go over here and take a nap no he, he he went he probably encouraged he probably examined the walls he probably you know helped build he, he, he probably did whatever he needed to do to help the mission get accomplished quicker better more efficient and so he's he's overseeing the work that is happening um and and this is important for you at any kind of leadership capacity in your life that you you are part of overseeing that 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 the mission is is being sought after mission of your family you know if if your family begins to to drift towards uh away from the the mission the vision that god has given your family someone has to step in and say oh we gotta, we gotta bring this back. We gotta get this back on mission, right? Uh, same thing is true with the church, and that's what the elders do: protect uh, the church from false teaching. Uh, you know, continue to encourage the saints and pray over the saints, and and lead in such a way that Christ continues to be magnified and exalted. I will say too, I'm praying that God brings us more men that are capable and uh, elders, more men that desire for the office of elder. In our church, I'm praying that God raises up more men for this role in this church. We need more men that are um, fit to be elders, but also long to be elders. Um, so just as a little vision drip to our men uh, in, in the church that we need more of this in, in our church. Uh, the last point I, I'm going to give us in, as we close is... Uh, is that um, we see in Nehemiah 3 that they're sharing the load and they're doing their part. It wasn't up to one person to do all the work. It wasn't up to Nehemiah. It wasn't up to one family. Everybody got a section of wall and, 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 and got the building. If you remember what we named the series based on Nehemiah 2.18, it says, let us rise up. Let us arise and build. Let us rise up and build. So Nehemiah gave them the vision, and all the people said, yes, we are in. Let us rise and build. And so not only did they say, yes, we are in, but they said, all right, now let me go accomplish this piece of the task that I know I can help in order to get up and build. And so that's what the people began to do. They, 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 and, and this is the documentation of it actually happened. They didn't just say they were going to do something and then do nothing. They actually said, let us rise up and build. And then they rose up and they built. And this is the documentation of them actually not just giving lip service to the mission and vision, but actually setting their lives to the task of accomplishing the mission and, and, and the vision. And, uh, and so individually, obviously, for you personally in, in, in your life, you know, um, you, you need people in your life to help. Uh, when it comes to Christianity, you are not supposed to do this as a lone ranger. We're not, you know, that's, uh, you know, the idea of a personal faith is just not scriptural. It's all communal. We're supposed to be in this, in this together. Obviously, your salvation, uh, no one can save you. You're on, you know, it's between you and the Lord uh, in your relationship with the Lord. My, my faith isn't going to save you. Your, your grandmama's faith isn't going to save you. Like, you, you, your justification is, is God and you. 
Uh, but beyond that, everything else is to be communal. We're supposed to have people in our life encouraging us, holding us accountable, um, speaking life into us, uh, helping in the ways that we need help. Like it, it is a very communal aspect. So, so even you spiritually, individually need this, but we need this too as a church in, in, in accomplishing the vision. Again, um, I'm not gifted at a lot of things. I'm really only gifted in a few things, <laughs> and uh, and I often tell my wife all the time if 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 preaching and, and pastoring don't work out for me, uh, I'm just going to have to do something. I'm just going to have to I don't know go back to FedEx where I worked in college. I don't know. Like uh, I, I, you know, like, I'm gifted in so few things, but. Uh, but when we come together, because there are people that come around me that bring strengths to my, to my weaknesses. Uh, praise God. I'm not great at administrative stuff. I can do some of it, but it drains me, and I have to go take a nap after, right? Um, and, and so it's like my brain hurts. Like, but, but there's some people that they sleep like, you know, spreadsheets. They're like, I love spreadsheets. And I'm like, praise be to God for you, right? Uh, I love handing off spreadsheets, right? I, or whatever it is. Like, we all come together with the different giftings that God has given us to say, all right, here's how we're all gifted. I'm not gifted at this. I'm not gifted at that. But I can do this piece of the wall. Now, someone else is here doing this piece of the wall. Someone here is doing this piece of the wall. And now let's go out and build. Let's, let's, let's find what, how God has gifted us and then build. And, and I've said this, I've preached this in different ways to you before, but what it looks like for us is, what is God, now, now hear me, there are some people that use this as a cop-out too. So uh, there, there are some people like, I'm not gifted at working with kids. Now some of you are truly not gifted at working with kids. <laughs> okay, And we will be honest with you and we will tell you and we will love on you, and we will move you to security or something where, where not smiling is actually encouraged, okay? Um, you know, but there are some of you that use this as a cop-out to say, I just don't want to do that, right? So I'm not gifted at it. You know, th there are some times when it's like, okay, if the, if it, not that this is the truth, but just as an analogy, if the boat is sinking, and there's a hole in the boat that my thumb can feel. Like, I'm not gifted to feel that. No, there's sometimes you just got to stick your finger in the hole and plug it so, you know, so that the, the job is done, right? And, and, and so I would encourage you to begin praying, okay, okay, what is that for me? Am I using my giftings? Am I just kind of copping out out of, you know, what God is calling me to do or what the church needs and those kinds of things. And I don't even know. I, I mean, we always need people working with kids. I'm not even saying kids, but we have all kinds of needs in our, in our church. That's just the, the, the easiest example to give you. Um, so, so how are you gifted? How are you using that uh, in, in moving towards the vision of glorifying God through delighting in him, discipling the church, and declaring the gospel to all peoples? Some of you are gifted to teach. Most of you are not. And that's okay. Um, some of you are, are gifted in other ways. Some of you are, 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 are gifted at giving. So some of you are gifted at, at uh, evangelism. You know, like, how are you using the ways that God has gifted you to advance the mission of God? Um, I read this thing about, about geese this week, you know, and uh, 
uh, how, you know, it was, it was uh, you know, just geese flying in the air. You know, they fly in the V formation or whatever. It's probably, maybe it was Mighty Ducks and my son was watching this week. I was like, huh, you know. Uh, so, so I read this thing about geese. And, uh, and so I learned some things about geese. You know, obviously the one in front takes the brunt of the load. And, but they rotate who's leading the V formation as they're flying. They, they, they rotate who's taking the brunt of the wind as they're, as they're flying. Uh, so so there's, there's just a healthy spreading of the, the, the weight of the role of, of, of them flying through, through the air. Uh, second thing I learned about them is that as each one flaps their wings, they are pushing air up to the goose behind them. And so in formation like this, uh, the, 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 the flock can get 71% greater flying range because they're feeding off of one another. They're helping one another. They're not just flying on their own solo mission, but in their going, they're bringing people, geese, with them. Right? So, so they're bringing them with them, which is beautiful. Right? It's, it, it, it's beautiful when we're talking about working together. Another thing, and this is very rev- relevant to even today, if one get, goose gets uh, sick or wounded and has to leave uh, the, the, the formation, at least two will go with it to, to care for it, to help it, until it can get back uh, to being able to fly. What a beautiful picture of taking care of one another. And then lastly, and I, and I think probably um, really neat, is that, and I didn't really, I, I, I kind of knew some of the other stuff, but I didn't really know this, but in the V formation, it's the geese in the back that are doing the honking. You know, you hear them, right? When, when, when you've heard, when, the, when they're going through the air, it's the geese in the back that are doing the honking. Uh, A, you know, the geese in the front are working really hard. And the ones in the back are encouraging them. They're, 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 they're saying, keep going. And they're, they're kind of saying, we're here with you. We're fine. Keep going. You're good. That's a beautiful thing. Like, it's a, it's a mutual encouragement. Man, that's, that person's leading. I want to I I give them encouragement. I want to tell them I'm with them, which is a beautiful way we come together. Now, whatever role God has given you to do, and you're leading, you're bringing people along with you, or you're following a leader, like, like, like being a part of that kind of, uh, community is, is a beautiful piece of accomplishing the vision that God has given us to do. And there's many, and hear me, uh, if you're new here, you might be saying, you know, is he, is he preaching some agenda? No, I'm very, I have a lot of people in this church that encourage me regularly, and, and it's a beautiful thing that, um, you know, I won't call it honking, but, uh, uh, but, but it's a great encouragement to me. Um, and, 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 all of the leaders of a church. I mean, I, I know, uh, you know, like there, there are leaders in certain ministries that are being encouraged by certain other people that are like, hey, yes, this is great. Keep going. What you're doing is great. Let's keep going. I'm with you. I'm Go all the way. I, I'm on a, how can I help serve? I want to I be a part of this ministry. I want to be a part of advancing the kingdom in this way. This is my giftings. I want to I help out in this way. I, you know, and, and, and then not just, not just serving, but also when we're hurting. Like, I, I want to be a part of Helping, uh, you know, either uh, trying to help brothers turn from sin 
Sisters, turn from sin. Or I, I want to uh, help those that are physically hurting to, to go and pray for them or, or to, to, to you know, encourage them and however I can encourage them and, and uh, you know, just help them however I can. You, you, however God has gifted you to serve the body, you, you can do that. Now, I say this all the time, you should be doing something. Uh, you know, even if your ministry is prayer. Um, I, I, I talked with a great sister this week, that, you know, where she's at a stage in her life where physically she can't do all she used to do, but she can pray. And she prays and asks God to move and to save and to bless. And to, what a great ministry. Really, the backbone of ministry. And so, how has God gifted you? What is He calling you to do? What section of wall is He calling you to build? This is, uh, you know, I'm just so, you know, encouraged by our church. I know we have a lot of folks that are serving. I mean, this is the only way our church runs. I mean, we we don't have a lot of staff. We don't have a lot of people paid to do work. You do the work. Many of you do the work. Many of you serve in high leadership capacity roles in this body. And it's, a, and it's a beautiful thing. We couldn't do it without that. We also have many of you that serve in roles that uh, are just necessary. I mean, who wants to sign up to mop a floor? But to the glory of God, you do it. Uh, th- this morning, someone's picking up palm branches that fall out of trees and take them to the dumpster. Like, it's beautiful when the people of God serve one another and love one another in such a way to say, hey, whatever I got to do to see the mission advance, that's what I want to do. We can't all sing as beautifully as Keith, but we can serve in whatever way God has gifted us. So what is that? What is your section of wall? And how are we doing that together? Because listen, if I'm over here building and someone else is over here building, someone else is over here building and you're over here not building, we got a gap. And we need you. We need you. And the only one who can build that section of the wall is you. You're the only one gifted to do it. So we need you. We need you to walk in obedience to Christ. To help us advance the mission. To glorify God by delighting in Him, discipling this church, and declaring the gospel to all peoples. Let's build the wall. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for Nehemiah 3. Um, I thank you for names that otherwise we would never know. Obscure names with roles that we've, we've learned. A chapter of Scripture, probably most people just skim and move to chapter 4. But what a beauty in the simplicity of the work that you have called us to. And I pray, God, that, um, that we would take great encouragement in that the God of the universe has given assignment to each one of us. And it doesn't have to be this grandiose, save the world role. It may just be 
love my wife as Christ loves the church. Love my neighbor as myself. To point my kids to Jesus. It may be putting on a a greeter tag and welcoming guests to the glory of God. And whatever work you've called us to when we set to it, we want to do it with all that we are so that we might hear at the end, well done. We want to be faithful with the little. We want to take the talents that you give and put them to great use for your glory. So would you help us to do that? And ultimately, God, our goal is not self-promotion. It's not building some kind of church empire. Our goal is to see God glorified. And that you would be, in fact, glorified by all of your creation. And those that are literally a stone's throw from this church that are far from you, I pray that they come to know Christ. And God be exalted as you deserve to be exalted. I pray that you would give discernment to each person in the giftings that they have been given. And those giftings being affirmed by the church would be used to the glory of God until you come again or take us home. What a beautiful mission. Simplicity. Build a section of wall. Help us to do the work that you've called us to and help us to do it together. Lord, if there is anyone here that doesn't know you, I pray that you would save them today. That they would turn to Jesus, the only remedy for sin, the only way to be made right with God the only hope for humanity and the only hope for eternity. May today be the day of salvation. We love you, Lord. Be praised by your people. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Church, we're going to enter